Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. I am Jason. And I am John. And we have games against Alaska to talk about. Start with uh, with Friday's contest, I assume? Yep, let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. Kind of a barn burner. Um, I, you know... I was really worried about us heading into this into this series because Alaska is always kind of one of those classic upset teams. And I thought Friday night playing them, like it was just, it seemed prime for them to shock us and, um, you know, to have to go to OT and, and it's like, Oh, we've been in OT before and got beat. So uh, I, I didn't, I was not, enthusiastic about our opportunities let's say taylor ward gets the scoring uh, started for the mavs in the first period it's a power play goal with assists to kevin conley and brandon scanlon it's always great to see taylor uh taylor get a goal in there one of our most dependable players the last few years uh and i was honestly feeling pretty good at that point jason um you know the second goal when randall scored about yeah later a little bit like that was the point where I was like you know all right we're good we got a two goal lead you know we've got what we had less than a minute left in the period you know we're going to roll through this and we get to the second period and I'm thinking you know we've got this we're going to come out uh, and just kind of can you know pick up where we left off continue right continue exactly. the momentum uh and that that really wasn't the case like the second period Alaska really came at us and it seemed like UNO didn't really have uh, an answer um, in both the second and the third, Alaska gets both of their goals yeah. in the second period, and we skate the entire third in a 2-2 situation. Yeah, the, the second period was really interesting. I thought they looked kind of low energy that period. And and certainly, you know, we were able to maintain our lead throughout most of that period. But like you said, Alaska really kind of controlled the play, controlled the tempo that period. And it was really at the end of the period that you kind of had that momentum killer where Alaska gets the uh, tying goal with just a few seconds left. Now, right before that, I remember there was a beautiful opportunity for Martin Sundberg uh, to get the goal that would have put UNO up three to one. And that might've been the momentum killer. But when he didn't put away that goal, uh, suddenly you have the Nanooks getting a goal right there with about five, six seconds left. Did you, what was your feeling going into the third? Did you think that they'd actually come through and be able to pull it off? Or did you kind of get the feeling like it's going to be a dog fight and we might lose this on a bad bounce or something? I wasn't sure. I think I thought that the team would put it together in the third. You just, I mean, anything can happen in that. And uh, honestly, the game was tied at the end of regulation and it did go to the three on three overtime. And early on in that three on three overtime, I thought we might end up losing. There was, there was one chance Alaska had where they cut across the middle and I held my breath. I was like, this is it. We're done. Like this is the end of the game. Yep. And it felt like that other, the, the, uh, the other loss that we had in overtime. Uh, yeah. It's just like, but you know, Seville kicks the puck out. It was yep. a great, great play by him. And we can go the other direction, got a scoring opportunity, uh, sets up a face off in the zone. And uh, yeah, it was interesting to see, coach kind of call out a freshman you know Berg goes out there with Miller 
Yeah. Yep. In overtime in a three on three game in a three on three overtime in a game that you really should win. Like at this point, you have no business being where you are. You're there because you weren't able to to get done what everyone expected you to get done. Uh, but just a clean face off win, a great shot by Miller. Uh, and that, that, was, that was beautiful. That the game. Yeah, he pops it back to Miller and Miller gets a beautiful goal there. And that was great. Faceoffs were an interesting story. I, I was listening to the uh, uh, the uh, replay of the game on NCHC TV uh, yesterday, and it was amazing because their their uh, their player Harrison Israel's won twenty of twenty three faceoffs, and you have to figure he was going up against uh, Sullivan for most of those. And as we know, Sullivan's one of the top face-off guys in the country and has been really, really solid for us. So that was a really fascinating stat. And Terry Leahy said on the broadcast that uh, if the Nanooks had won, that would have been their, uh, their number one star of the game. So it was just, it was kind of a weird game. Uh, honestly, it was great to see a really good, really competitive game. Uh, and I honestly, after that game, I didn't know what to expect on Sunday because they were, I, I, I give them credit. They, uh, they played with a lot of energy. Uh, the Nanooks did, and it was a good game for them. So did you say that he had 20 face-off wins on, on Friday's game? Yeah. So he had like two thirds of their wins because they yeah. only had like 30 total. <laughs> yes. Like two thirds from one guy, yeah. That was a when I, when I yeah when I heard Casey Roll mention that I'm like wow that is a crazy stat especially against a guy like I had to I have to imagine most of them were against Sullivan right Yeah I mean if if you're taking that many you're gonna see pretty much everyone at some point in time Yeah And you know to to get thirty wins in a in a game and twenty of them come from one guy it's like i know that was kind of the interesting little yeah. game within a game there so yeah they definitely came to play and they played really well on uh, friday night so we played the second game uh just a few hours ago as we're recording this at 4 uh, 4 p.m at uh, baxter arena what did you think going into the game what'd you think of the game um i like before the game started, I, I thought this is the game that hopefully they kind of realized that they needed to play better. They needed to do something different, particularly staying out of the box. Like I think one of our biggest problems with the Friday night game, yeah. was, um, our penalties were just, I, they were just stupid penalties. There was a lot of them. Um, it's clear that we are the more talented team. Yeah. But I don't think that we showed really until maybe a third of the way into the second period on Sunday night, that was the first time I really felt like we started saying we want this win yeah, more than Alaska wanted to win. Like until then it was kind of like, we almost went through thinking we deserve to win because we're the better team. Um, and I think that's why we almost lost on Friday. And I think that's why we were down on Sunday um, Alaska came out and they jumped on it early and, you know, four minutes in, they get, they get the first goal of the game. And I was, I was concerned at that point in time, cause I really felt like the first period was a carryover from what we saw uh, on Friday. And I would have expected that there would have been team conversations, if not a practice on Saturday to, to kind of iron out some of those things. So to see them kind of struggle when they came out. That, that I think was was just kind of disappointing to me because I really 
felt that they had more in them. So it was nice to see them come out in the second and, and play a lot better. I was a little worried when we gave up that first goal. Again, like you said, I, I felt going into this series, I felt going into all th- uh, three series that we played so far this season that we're the more talented team. Boy, they lit them up the rest of the way, right? Yeah, it was all UNO pretty much for the second and third. Um, Alaska had a few, ch- they had a few chances here they and there. Have a, they're yep. they're going to get opportunities. Uh, but Seville was was very comfortable in that. Uh, I thought that he played a, a really strong game. It was our big line that came out and said, like, we are the big line and we're going to show you why we're the big line. Um, that Ward, Primo, and uh, Weast line is just, like, it's it's reliable, right? We, we've talked about that before on the podcast. And like we've talked about, the team has more depth. They seem more consistent as a team, and we've seen flashes from those other lines and some of the new guys like Brandon McManus, who transferred from Minnesota uh, during the offseason. I'm kind of waiting with bated breath at this point uh, until we get into conference play because we don't quite know what we have. And like I said, not playing those kind of name opponents, it's kind of hard to know where we're at at this point but like you said that top line performed great today uh taylor ward tied it up in the second and uh and then uh it's followed later on by chase primo and those have been two of the most dependable players we've had the past few seasons the mavs kind of put on the accelerator the the rest of the way it was close there for a while uh but uno ends up winning five to one we've got to do our player of the series Yes. And I will go first. I pretty much decided after Friday who I was going to pick. And I, uh, and Sunday bore this out. So I'm going to pick Taylor Ward for the weekend. I thought he had a terrific, terrific uh, series against Alaska. And uh, certainly his Sunday performance with two goals and one assist uh, was fantastic. And, and he had other opportunities during the game as well. And Friday night, I thought he looked great. I'll be honest with you, always an impressive player as the team has gotten better over the last few years and uh, there's more talent and more depth on the roster. We don't always notice him as much, but he is, uh, he is a fantastic, great awareness, great puck handling, uh, just a terrific player. So uh, my uh, pick is Taylor Ward. I would challenge anyone to take a look at these two games and not say that he was a uh, at least a top three player for for UNO for the weekend. Absolutely. Uh, I think I'll go with uh, I'll go with the guy we had controversy with, right? Chase Primo. Maybe three goals and one assist on Friday, maybe two goals and two assists on Friday. Depends on how that all shakes out. But I felt both days he was, that whole line was just, and that's the hard part, right? Like Weiss gets three really nice assists on Sunday. And so, and we're, when we're passing him over for two of his line mates, like, I almost want to say that my player of the game is that line because that line just seemed to work. It seems fitting that you throw him out there in, in different situations and he can still be productive. And I think that's a sign of a player who um, is very talented, has you know a lot of things ahead of him, a lot of good things ahead of him. 
Oh, absolutely. And there were a number of the goals in the Sunday game that he, the, the two goals that he got, it was kind of, he was in the right place at the right time. And again, a, a player who has just steadily improved over the course of uh, his time here at UNO and uh, almost had the hat trick. We'll find out uh, after this podcast, if that's been reversed, uh, Jason thinks it might be. Um, I'm not so sure, but yeah, a great weekend for him. And like you said, Tyler Weiss, I mean, honestly, in that overtime period on Friday, he barely, very nearly had a game-winning assist uh, on a potential goal uh, before the uh, goal that uh, Miller put in. So, yeah, a great weekend for him. And like you said, that entire line was just fantastic this weekend. So uh, they stepped up and they got it done. And uh, that's what the Mavs needed. Okay, so switching to our shootout section, which is more of our rapid fire topics, but with Jason and I, nothing is really rapid fire, so (laughs) we'll see how this goes. A few things we want to talk about. The first is, and this is a follow-up last week, uh, Bridget and Jolene brought up the Summit Dental Smile Cam and whether people should be smiling when we're supposed to be wearing masks during the game, and I'm not going to sit here and make a lot of... uh, judgments for people one way or the other, but it is the rule at Baxter Arena to wear a mask. But I had a thought during the game, which I texted you guys, because apparently I'm thinking about marketing ideas during hockey instead of the actual hockey. (laughs) Since marketing communications is what we do. And uh, I almost wondered if they should, considering that people should be wearing masks and considering just in general, a smile cam is not that exciting. But, you know, I almost wondered if it should be the Summit Dental Floss Cam. See a bunch of kids dancing and having a good time during that promo. I have to say, when you said that, I was like, I don't see how it's any better if they're pulling out dental floss and shoving it in their teeth during this. Like, I'm like, I don't get it. Oh, yeah. I was not thinking about the dance, like, at all. Like, didn't cross my mind. So, okay. So, Jason was a literalist on that idea. So maybe we got it. Maybe we got to send it back to the drawing board. You'll have to have like some sort of demonstration graphic or video so that you know what to do. Throw up some of the, throw up some of the flossing dances and stuff from, from years prior. And, you know, the, the character that's in uh, Fortnite and you're, you're golden because. Exactly. So Summit Dental, you should consider that. You should also consider sponsoring this podcast since we've given you a free plug uh, the past two episodes. There we go. I I will say, if you sponsor this podcast, I will floss the entire time we do this. (laughs) If that's what it takes to get a sponsorship from them. Our second shootout topic is this weekend, we saw the post-game fight song celebration in the lobby come back we had talked about this two episodes ago um you were hopeful that maybe the post-game celebration would come back I don't think you thought that it would be this season I didn't think it would come back this season and inertia being the thing that it is with these things I thought if it didn't come back this season that it probably wouldn't come back at all um maybe I'm just cynical with that but Sure enough, after the game on Friday, uh, and I was more surprised than anybody, the team came out and sang the fight song in the lobby. Most of the fans had left at that point. I had actually gone out to the car, but you and Jolene texted us when we were in the parking lot and we came back inside and got to see the guys sing the fight song. What did you think about that? I was surprised by it. You know, like you said, we talked about it before that. I thought it was going to come back at some point in time. I just didn't know that it'd be this season. 
at best, I thought maybe the second half of the season. Um, and it was really weird to see like up on the Jumbotron, they said they were going to do it at center ice. And I was like, okay, you know, there's a way to, you know, get them all out there on their skates. You know, they usually do the stick tap and stuff and, you know, have them lock arms and, and, you know, gather around and sing the fight song and stuff on the ice. I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. And then they all left the ice and I'm like, okay, so much for that idea. Um, and then we were just like, well, maybe they're going to do it in, you know, in the lobby like they used to. And they just had the Jumbotron wrong. And sure enough, that's what it ended up being. And then they did it again on Sunday. And then I'm like, okay, well, now the thing's back. Although they did modify it on Sunday and that they didn't let the players come all the way out and just get, you know, surrounded by fans. They kind of, you know, sectioned them off and, um, since you were thinking of marketing ideas uh, during the, the Summit Dental Cam thing, um, I had the idea, and I think it'd be kind of neat, is if they, uh, on that main entrance, if they kind of cut off two segments of those, those stairs to go down that you can go down and out, um, and then leave the other two for fans to kind of um, file into and see, and then block off the base of it, bring the team out to the base of the stairs and have them do the fight song there. Because the way that they had it, my feeling was the way they had it set up in the lobby this time, the, if you were not right up as far as you were allowed to go, um, it was very difficult to see, you know, really much of anything um, because you're all on that same level. And so by doing that, like it would let, it would let people see what's going on because you get that that same effect that you have in the arena right where where it's step stepped up so i think that would be an interesting idea for them to to do and and still be you know semi-safe when it comes to um, covid and proximity and, and masks and all that jazz right it's yeah it's hard to know what to do obviously fans are used to kind of fist bumping and high-fiving the players and get pictures and autographs with them and and um and you understand that the, the fans love these guys and uh and especially the young fans want to have the opportunity to get to meet them and shake their hand but yeah in, in circumstances like this it's hard to know what to do because our opponent this weekend alaska had had uh, a COVID scare that caused them to postpone their series against Minnesota. Uh, I kind of like your idea. It would be it would be a chance to kind of the fans could line up along the stairs and the fans could see it and experience it, but they're not necessarily huddled, sort of surrounding them. And uh, and uh, you know I don't know if fans would like that idea or not, but that might allow you kind of have the best of both worlds. You know, a little bit of distance. Because like you said, with, with the Sunday celebration, they tried to kind of separate the fans from the team a little bit more. Uh, and uh, overall, I, you know, I, I thought it was fun to have the celebration. It's fun to have it back. Um, and I think some people were surprised that it was back. But uh, I know that the team, I had, I had heard that the team didn't want to do the celebration if they, you know, couldn't do it in the lobby like normal. So, um so the, the players will want out there, and uh, it was good to see him back for a post-game celebration, and certainly getting a couple of wins against Alaska ended up working out well. I thought maybe this game uh, was Sunday afternoon. I thought maybe it was a Friday-Sunday series because the Sunday game against Alaska was exactly 24 years from the first ever UNO hockey game. It was an exhibition against Manitoba University. 
uh, back on October 17th, 1997. We were there. It was a great game, exciting to uh, see UNO hockey get off the ground that night. And I thought maybe they were going to honor that tonight. They didn't honor it tonight. And I just thought I would bring that up on the podcast. And I don't know why they didn't uh, potentially honor it. Maybe people didn't remember. Maybe they forgot. But I was going to point that out. So uh, just so you know, Jason. Do you think there's any chance that they're just kind of waiting for like a 25-year thing? Although I, I guess next year it would be on a Monday, so that doesn't help them any. Yeah, so it's kind of weird because they've, they've got the 25th anniversary patches, but obviously the team started playing in October of 1997. So this really right now is the start of like, I think this is their 25th season. So right now is kind of the start of their 25th year of playing hockey, you know what I'm saying? So maybe they will, and they might do something after the first of the year. I've heard that potentially they're going to try to get some of the uh, some of the old players back from earlier seasons uh, and have them uh, at a game and maybe have them out on, I'm sure have them out on the ice. So uh, that would be kind of cool if that happens. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. So next year, next year we can talk about the, uh, 25th anniversary from that uh, 25 years since that very first game. And then, then our final shootout topic is one that Jason brought up, and uh, it's uh, the kind of noticeable absence of Johnny Tyconic and Jason Smallage. We, we, had, we were going through it and said, yeah, Tyconic actually has played a few games, but he hasn't played in a while. And he was one of those guys that was just last season, I mean, especially in the pod, our best defenseman playing not knocking anyone else but he was just really good last year and I have not seen and I looked I did not see anything official on um, you know what's going on there if it's a if it's an injury that's keeping him out or if it's something else and but it's hard to believe that six or seven defensemen that are better than him after last year. Yeah, the you know, he transferred in, he was a real spark plug on the blue line, just sort of epitomizes the modern defenseman. And I thought he was fantastic last year too. Uh, according to Elite Prospects, he had has appeared in two games this season. Uh, but when you brought that up, I'm like, wow, I hadn't noticed. But when you said it, I'm like, I definitely did notice. Now, I again, I don't know if it's a case of trying to give some of the younger uh, defensemen an opportunity or if maybe he's banged up a little bit or if something else is going on. I don't know. But like you, I'm kind of surprised not to see him in there, too. Well, hopefully we see them both soon because I know they're fan favorites. and Two defensemen. Yeah, Jason Smallage is a guy that we love. So. Uh, and we haven't seen him uh, in uh, any games this season. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll find out. Uh, hopefully we'll see him uh, soon. Maybe against uh, our uh, next opponents, which is coming up in a, in a couple of weeks, Long Island University. The first time we play that new program and it comes up October 29th and 30th at Baxter Arena, it continues this inordinately long home stretch of non-conference opponents to start the season so uh, we get Long Island in here for the first time not a team that you and I've gotten to see a lot of Uh, what are your predictions for the series Jason this is like you look at it on paper and everything about this is it is a series that UNO should win without needing to put in a whole lot of effort but a lot of people said the same thing about Alaska and, and look what they did to us. So it's, you know, they won 
what, three games, I think, last year. So they're capable. You know, UNO can't overlook them, that's for sure. But regardless of what I think is going to happen, Omaha has to win both of these games. Like, you're not going to stay in in contention or in the discussion for the Frozen Four appearance if if you lose one or two games to Long Island. Yeah, that could potentially cause some problems in the pairwise down the road. We don't know at this point because maybe maybe if we you know if they come in and they have a great series against UNO, maybe that will spark them uh, <laughs> the rest of the way. But I would I would definitely I mean I'm predicting that we sweep this series. I think that there should be no doubt that that should happen. Obviously, I'd love to see a performance where the guys come out and just really manhandle a team that they should uh, be able to overpower and overmatch. And I'd like to see them just come out, put their foot on the uh, gas pedal and not let up for 60 minutes in both of those games, because I think there's an opportunity for the guys to to pad those uh, to pad those stat sheets for the season. We've got a lot of really talented guys. I'm, I'm also hoping it's an opportunity for some of the the players that we haven't gotten to see as much of this season, maybe get in the lineup or play a bigger role. You know, we talked about when we talked about the past series, we talked about Berg and, and some of those lines, like this is the kind of game that maybe you give some of those third line, fourth line guys, first line, second line minutes, move some things around, juggle some things, try some different things, try to find some chemistry in a game like this, because yeah, the, like the tape says, I think they're scoring at like a goal and a half a game, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see maybe Roden in net. Uh, you know, this is the time to give Seville some rest because if you're going to, if he's your number one all the way out, any chance you get to, to let him kind of take a break, you almost have to take, you know. And, and the, this is a team that, it, Scoring a goal and a half a game is not going to get you very far. So this is a, a prime opportunity to put someone like that in. And then, you know, they're giving up, you know, four goals a game. So if if it can't work against Long Island, it's probably not going to work against anyone else. So <laughs> now's the time to start experimenting with things and trying to see if you can, um, if you can do something. Yeah, I'll tell you, Isaiah Seville, uh, as you mentioned, he's been fantastic this entire season so far, and you'd hate to see uh, him get injured against Long Island when you have a couple of capable backups, certainly Austin Roden, who we've seen a lot of over the last uh, couple of years, and uh, and uh, Jacob Zab, who we haven't seen a lot, but uh, I was, uh, I've was i noticed the last few weeks, and I wanted to make a comment about this, his helmet, which is predominantly red, is really, really cool, so I'd love to see him uh, in between the pipes for you would owe this upcoming weekend as well. So hopefully we get to see him. So Jason and I are saying it's got to be a, a sweep and anything less is disappointing. So get it done, Mavs. There we go. Sweep them out again. <laughs> I'd just uh, like to thank Jason for agreeing to do the uh, second video podcast. We weren't going to do video, but uh, Bridget and Jolene, after having done video last week, uh, shamed us into doing a video again. So I guess we're doing video now, Jason. So, uh, well, I don't know. We got to see, it may not be the video. It may be the fact <laughs> that no one wants to listen to us anymore. And 
we just hand the whole thing over to John to uh, Jolene and Bridget again. So they did a great job. They were incredibly prepared. So uh, I would like to thank them for filling in for us last week. And uh, I think we'll be seeing the two of them on a podcast uh, podcast again soon. But until next time, whoever it is doing the podcast, Jason and I or Bridget and Jolene. I would just say be sure to follow Mavpuck on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, you can find links to those uh, social media channels uh, on our website, mavpuck.com, where you can also find back episodes of this podcast. So until next time, Jason, go Mavs. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.